dream is a wish your heart makes. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since the first time baggy jeans were in style. Now guides on your nostalgic tour of Disney history, one magical film at a time. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, we be sailing this high seas in search of treasure as we review Treasure Island. So fasten that safety restraint and pull up on the yellow strap. It's time to open the vault. Cue that Disneyous sound effect. Already. You ready for this? You, you nailed that. You've got a great pirate voice. Yeah, it's the end of the day. It's the end of our vacation. My voice is just kind of like resting, doesn't want to move. So it's like the perfect pirate voice. Like I feel like I'm really, de- it's going to be a very good uh, podcast voice today. I'm just feeling it. I'm prime, prime podcast voice. I see. I, I, I can't stand the podcast voices though that are like, Really soft and contemplative, and like they're doing ASMR or something. Speak, just speak. <laughs> oh, when I found those videos, that just send me over the edge. I can't do any <laughs> ASMR; drives me nuts. We were listening to one of our favorite Disney podcasts the other day, and it was an incredible story. But the guy had such dry mouth, and I'm just like tapping my hand. <laughs> I'm chewing gum, and Sarah's like, you want to turn this off so bad, don't you? And I'm like, I do, but I also want to know what he's talking about. Hard uh, pass but all of it. That, yep. Uh, Treasure Island, uh, question for you. I've been trying to rack my brain on this um, ever since we watched this earlier today. Um, was reading the book assigned in school because i know that i've read this book at least once maybe twice i have a i have a strong memory for some reason of fourth grade us what i was reading it in fourth grade i believe hmm. like with mrs uh titus's class i think i think we i fear some reason remember yeah. being in the back of her room and us reading it together or maybe we just watched the movie i can't remember but fourth grade feels about a good time and see I have memory of reading this uh, in middle school in Mrs. Berkey's English class. Maybe that too. So maybe I revisited or whatever. So um, I guess to start there, I'm far more familiar with the book than I am with this particular adaptation. I had seen it once before. Um but uh, not as frequently as I've seen some of the other adaptations um, like Treasure Planet, like the Muppets Treasure Island, which um, we may argue is the the greatest Muppet movie of all time. One could argue. One could. Um, could. But yeah. Do do you remember watching this at all? Was this a a repeat (coughs) watcher? The only thing I remember about this would be the um long john silver played by robert newton it's kind of hard to forget yeah his character and partially because little known fact to people his version of long john silver is how we get our current i image specifically the sound of what a pirate should sound like 
we get it from him. Like he played the character with a heightened version um, of what, when I looked up what they called it, it was a West country accent in uh, near, mm-hmm. near that area in uh, England and uh, Bristol, I believe. And he has some of that action, but he just played it even farther. And that version, which this movie came out in 1950, so 70 years, the past 70 years, this is what our popular belief of what a pirate should sound like is him specifically. And if you even listen to some of the other pirates in this movie, they don't have anything. They don't have any sort of accent in any way. Like they're ruffians, but they're not like, um, they don't have that R like that, that we were kind of talking about up at the front. It's because of Robert Newton and he did such a good job with it. And so iconic uh, with that that uh that just became the sound that they that all pirate movies from then on all the rides all everything and maybe uh maybe it's that disney was part of the reason why it became even more because of having um pirates of the caribbean ride which is probably arguably my favorite ride at um at at disney at disneyland um granted it's a different storyline than this one this is obviously treasure island that's from the movie from the other boot the other movie franchise but uh yeah that's it I, he specifically is what i remember um if i had ever seen this before it's his portrayal and maybe a little bit of jim hawkins um played by bobby driscoll is also a very specific um actor as well yeah i i, I think that uh cannot be overstated just kind of the impact of this movie like you go changed history anywhere in the English <laughs> English speaking world, and you say, you know, like, well, in this in this intro, I said, hey, oh, hey, I wrote this for you to kind of say it like a pirate, and you immediately adopted his accent. Um, yep, you know, like, and you go anywhere, you know, it's like, what's a what's a pirate's favorite fast food restaurant? Arby's, yep. right? Like, boom. Um, that blows my mind that it goes back to this movie, that this is the movie that sets all of that emotion, uh, until, you know, up to today, that that is the voice we adopt. Um, and I think it's kind of appropriate because the book itself, um, you know, the whole story sets up for us in our kind of, you know, broad general culture, any, most of our images of pirates. Right. The idea of deserted islands, mm-hmm. treasure maps with X marks, the spot, one legged seamen with parrots like yeah. this is all treasure island. Treasure island is what gives us this. This is, you know, not historically accurate. <laughs> you know, uh, the accent definitely is not like all pirates speak like that. Um, to quote Indiana Jones, not all treasure is at uh, an X marks the spot. But like we we arrived to all of these conclusions because of Treasure Island, because of the book and the movie um, that has such an impact on how we view view pirates. And then I would even say, like, we have this affinity for pirates like it is somehow like cool. Uh, And especially in the past 15, 20 years uh, with the resurgence with the Pirates of the Caribbean series, like, you know, it's everywhere. Um, this kind of like pirate culture stuff. And, um, you know, that all stems back to uh, Treasure Island. That was the first to kind of grab 
the the zeitgeist with an interest in 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 pirates this is obviously based off of the book from robert louis stevenson what was funny was i tried looking up what his other books were and it threw in frankenstein which doesn't make any sense to me because that was written by um an, a, another a female author so i was trying to figure out that but evidently dr jekyll and mr hyde um was another one of his his, his big um uh i was about to say movies what am i talking about books. didn't even have movies back then but another one of his books but um this being again in uh the public domain uh, it's i found 10 different movies all named yep. treasure island and this is not even throwing all the ones that are like slightly i just typed in treasure island and imdb gave me like 10 of them this one's obviously very famous for um this was the first uh version in color first treasure island in color there were there's ones that even predated this um but then of course we the big ones we get uh are treasure planet uh which we cover we covered that right in our in our childhood childhood movies uh from the from the early 2000s um so you can listen to that we covered we covered another we covered another robert louis stevenson story you you and my favorite which one kidnapped i've yeah another another classic another classic but then also we get a muppet treasure island which we talked about earlier that that was that so back on uh john silver when the first movie, when the movie started and we hadn't gotten to him yet, I was already in my head going, this is going to feel weird not having Treasure Island with Tim Curry. Like I was waiting for Tim Curry to come on to stage, but then it, didn't, it doesn't take long for you to just kind of fall like to, for Robert Newton and his portrayal of Long John Silver and just how weirdly both dangerous and interesting and weird and scary, but fatherly or maybe more like an uncle and protect, like he played it so well because that character is a weird, strangely confused, not confusing, but like mixed character for you to even be at the end where, where um, Jim Hawkins is about to put is like, runs the runs at a ground, runs his little boat aground. And he's like, push me, like, help me out, help me out. And he like tries to kill him and then he doesn't. And then Jim pushes back in and you totally get it. It's like, it's like, I can't quit you, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to push you back in, into the water. Um, so I was just like, as old as this movie is, uh, it, that, I think that was probably one of the best um, parts of this entire film is what Robert Newton does with that character. For sure. And I think, um, you know, there are things that have kind of gone on to become commonplace. And when you, when you go back and you see the original iteration of it, the original iteration of it kind of seems cheesy or campy. Um, Like I'm thinking of some of the uh, like Agatha Christie novels, like the first time I read Agatha Christie's and then there were none, it has all of the like, the mystery tropes that we like are so common you know, that when you actually read that version, even though she originated it, that was the first time we saw any of those tropes. Like when you yeah. read it, it doesn't seem real. It feels cheesy or campy. But here, and I was, you know, I was kind of expecting that. It's like, is this going to come off? And to me, it doesn't. Um, 
you know, even though this is the first time we hear the pirate voice, this is kind of the first time we see this personification of pirates that is now just commonplace. This doesn't seem cheesy. It feels authentic. Like the way he presents it is, um, yeah, it's grounded and you feel I, I, th- I think that is one of the things that I love about the Treasure Island story is that um, no matter what version or no matter how they kind of play with it, um, you feel that Long John Silver and Jim Hawkins relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is such a an, an interesting dynamic that is created there in the story. Um, and this particular version holds up to that and really... Um, is the driving force of the whole movie beyond uh robert newton i think uh i i i think i found myself despite the fact that i really enjoyed his character and i think near the end it definitely picks up that first core that first third of the film is just trudging along (laughs) it's not a it's not a very fast moving film by any means and of course this is obviously dated and it's like editing techniques and stuff like that so watching like i went and saw the new wonka movie today and that was also when i came home came back and watch and watched this so it's hard to watch the two of those back and forth through just completely different um environments and stuff but i will say that one of the characters that jumped out at me that i anytime he was on screen i was just ready to laugh was squire trelawney like his lines in this were just so ridiculous hang your practice i'm your practice uh um like they aren't they my favorite of his was i'd wager my wig on it i wish my wig on it uh that's downright un-english the best one though was you're a trump young hawkins i was like what does that even mean because obviously doesn't mean what we think of it right Uh, so he was just the most probably the most absurd of all the characters uh, like he, he couldn't even just like say, let's go. It's like he had to, he had to some have some quip about it that made no sense whatsoever. But I also was like, you know what? That they bring it, he brought some life to the front part of this film, even though near the end he was kind of like the like kind of pushed to the side for other other characters in it. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, uh, I mean, it is fun that they're going on an adventure, adventure looking out for buried treasure. You've got the back and forth of who's got the cabin, who doesn't have the cabin, uh, who's got control of the boat, who doesn't, which is what, um, especially the Pirates of the Caribbean movies played and tr- made it like use that trope over and over again in that series. Uh, I kind of just kind of started losing interest to some degree. Um, for me, it didn't hold my attention kind of from like throughout the film. There are moments where I liked it, especially if it was, like Jim and Long John together, but uh, and also because I'm just so familiar, I've seen so many of these adaptations that I just you just kind of know what's going on. That for me, it just it was okay watching it, but it I I didn't have a I didn't have a strong feeling through throughout this film. I kind of was doing kind of other things while also watching it. But did you did you feel the same way, or were you more? drawn in did your kids like it i didn't really watch this with my kids other than my newborn <laughs> what'd she think of that um no i yeah i did watch it with the kids and um yeah i mean there's a lot of questions um 
you know, they especially had guns and stabbings and stuff like that. Yeah. So the kids were, well, you know, what is this? What's going on? Um, um, when, the, yeah, when the dude I, throws I, I a would, club at the other guy and it just bonks off of him, <laughs> that like knocks him out. I think the whole who has the fort, who doesn't have the fort, like all of that. Um, I, man, outside of the book, I don't know of any adaptation that I've watched that does that well. Um, like it plays so well in the storyline as you're reading it. But I would say all the adaptations feel slow in that moment for me, Um, you know, um, it because it yeah, it's just kind of a tricky, tricky one to play out. Um, It kind of feels a bit of like a mystery dropped in into the middle of it. So, yeah, that that feels weird. That feels odd. Um, I get a little bored with um, this adaptation definitely gave a lot more to silver's struggle with the other pirates um and those were the moments that kind of really felt kind of dragged to me that um that just kind of yeah th- those were kind of pirate mary or whatever his name was where you know yeah yeah we had the uh, um um and then he- where they do the black spot my son had lots of questions about, about the black, black spot. spot of course he should the majority of the questions we're just like, now, what is this? What does this mean? Who at, for a while he thought black spot was a person like Blackbeard. Um, yeah, just created Our black spot. Lots of confusion. And I'm like, no, it's just like a, a, a warning. A no. The, but what for? And I was like, well, the black spot is the most uh, treasure island part of any of any like when because all the other ones are tropes about pirates but like the black spot the only people that do the black spot is treasure island so i that moment for me at the front it's great because then it's like what is this thing that he just got by the end when they get it and it's in the bible and he's like you put this in a page of the bible like what are you doing that's i like it in muppet treasure island because they play it out for comedic purposes and then they're all like freaking out because they they didn't realize what they were doing um but here yeah i've definitely felt like these guys don't really have any idea what they're what they're doing but i did like when mr mary when uh the pirate mary when when they're when they got the group in the boat and then Mary has to go down to the hold for the fa- the the mutiny that didn't work, and he's like Mary Mary and he like opens up the porthole and he's like hello, just like that. I thought that was funny. The other one, the other character that's like completely random and he's in basically two scenes this entire movie is Ben Gunn, the crazy man that's been living on the island. I couldn't. I, I had to stop like anytime he was on, I was just like, what is happening right now? What is he talking about? Yeah. Um, and again, compared to um, the book and the other adaptations, this is by far the least that you see been um, in, in any of the stories, which for me makes his character in this movie almost pointless. Oh, it's oh, like, yeah. Why did you even include him? He why, had the treasure know, and that's it. He just kind of spoiler alert. He had the treasure. Like alert. he comes at the end well, come on, folks. This You've story since, yeah, is since 1950, a couple hundred years old. Yeah, I was going to say the story, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, he just seems uh, unnecessary to me. And I was but, whenever I saw him on screen, I was only ever thinking of the robot version of him from Treasure Planet with that, like, with the like circuits going crazy and stuff. I just kept on thinking voiced by Martin Short. That was a good choice. 
I had mentioned uh, one of my favorite lines uh, by the the Squire guy. I'd wager my wig on it, which I think I may use that in the future. That might that might be a fun little line just to kind of pull out. Um, I had a few other lines. I don't know if you had a few other lines that you jotted down. Um, and of course, uh, the the two that really stood out to me are Long John Silver lines. So I I have to attempt my best pirate accent in in doing these lines um um he says uh them that die be the lucky ones yep i have that one down yeah um but by far my favorite is (laughs) he has this moment where he gets just frustrated and like moving around and everything and he just goes oh for 10 toes that was a good that was a good impersonation too Oh, but I love it. I'm like, these are especially uh, I'd wager my wig on it and oh, for 10 toes. What a what great lines to to reuse in everyday life and just confuse people. Tittle tattle. I want to use that in something. Just tittle tattle. Um, tittle tattle. Uh, they ain't pretty, but they knows the sea. That was a good one. He has like the full the full group of people. Uh, oh, when he calls off someone, you know what? They're no worse than duck wallopers. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it was actually like a sign of like, not half bad. Okay. I was just like, what? What does that, what does that even mean? Yeah. The dem, them that die be the luck will be the lucky ones was, was really good. It just sounds like such a great pirate line. You know what I mean? Like there's just now even not just the voice, but there's just like certain things you would say that just sound piratey. Um, and you hear that in, in this movie, uh, and it's odd to realize that this, that didn't exist prior to this, that this movie gave us all of these, yeah. these catchy piratey things. And so, yeah, them that die be the lucky ones just sounds like something, you know, Barbosa would say in oh, one yeah. of the newer pirate movies. Well, we are lucky to have gotten this movie. And the reason that we got this movie, because this is Disney's first feature length live action film. That they oh are you shaking you shaking your head I no I agree I I think that's another big thing to highlight about this movie is you know you don't think of this as being like a groundbreaking film per se but like we've already kind of talked about some of the cultural things but for Disney this is groundbreaking this is huge yeah their their first full venture into live action and it kind of happened uh, again because of culture and money. Uh, so the World War One had fi- or two had finally ended, two. and so they are now back to able to make movies, and they they were obviously working on Cinderella around the same time. Uh, but they found out that they had basically found a million dollars or more uh, from box office receipts in Europe. And uh, in England, they basically said, you can't, your money's only good here. Like you can't, they couldn't take the money back out because of some things that happened during the war and some of the post-war um, reaction. And maybe it was just Europe saying we need to recoup all the money so that we can rebuild after it. Maybe that was, it. I don't know. So basically, uh, Disney had two options. He could make an animated film in England with that, with that money. Um, which would mean having to hire all new staff over there and start a studio from scratch, which felt like a lot. Or he could do a live action film. And that's what led him to doing 
uh, the Robert Louis Stevenson um, adaptation. And RKO was a part of this as well. They're the distributor distribution company for this. They also were in the same place. They had like $800,000 um, to play with uh, that they had to use in England. And so they just joined forces, found some British actors and went, went for it with this story, which is crazy to think that like they just were had this money laying around a couple million almost two million dollars and they're like you know what we should just make a movie with this hey let's just throw it to these guys and have them do something with it um a part of that an interesting story is that bobby driscoll the young boy who plays jim hawkins is the only non-british actor in this movie uh that was a part of the stipulation is you know they needed to have all british um actors in, in this movie and so they, um, when it comes to find out is they violate British labor law. Um, he's not a Brit, so he doesn't, and he doesn't have a work permit to work in Great Britain. <laughs> and he's two, two years too young to get a work permit at this time. Um, and so um, as the case is being like figured out and everything, Disney just like, rushes the production on everything that Bobby Driscoll's in, like gets all of his stuff done and ships him back to the United States. And then they finish off the movie without him. Um, And in the end, uh, Driscoll's father um, and Walt Disney Productions each get fined a hundred pounds for, um, for doing that, which, you know, in those days is, is real money. I would, Got to look that up and see what that would actually be today. And he's uh, prohibited from work uh, on any other films in in the UK. Wow. Um, so this is kind of uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, they kind of had that little, little sneaky, um, you know, to have the money to be able to finance the production and everything like that. But they also were kind of sneaky on the other side and getting young Bobby Driscoll in there to play Jim Hawkins. Um, which is just kind of an interesting little story on how all of this came about and really opens up for Disney this whole new area of of revenue. You know, um, they had by by now had gotten into like live action documentaries very successfully, um, you know, of course, animation. But now I think this is sets up that parallel trajectory Um for the Disney studios, yeah. of not just animation, but also these live action films that in many ways rise to kind of the same uh, cultural significance, like parallel with some of their animation uh, counterparts. Yeah. And it's what we know them for now. It, it, at the time it would have been on like, who would have thought that they could do fully live action? No, no tie in the kids. A lot of their uh, live action had, animated sequences in it which is interesting because it's way harder to do that than just live action but they kind of went backwards like let's start it with animation then to the combination then to that um like we saw with dos saludos amigos and other things like that um or three three caballeros um so it's interesting yeah and we've got a few more coming up here real soon like we're gonna look at like twenty thousand leagues under the sea is is huge. I mean, that was a, a huge milestone for special effects. It was a big movie for the company. Um, then you get like several movies out of Davy Crockett. We're only going to look at one of them. Uh, but like there's, you know, and that has a, a huge impact on on the parks and everything as well. But like 
you know, yeah, it starts, it just opens up this door. Uh, Old Yeller, the Shaggy Dog, uh, Swiss Family Robinson. The, the whole time I'm watching Treasure Island, like I can feel Swiss Family Robinson's just right yes. around the corner, just like mm-hmm. a decade later in this, right? Um, you know, there's so many other famous live action movies that Disney goes on to to produce that we know so well. Um, but yeah, it like came together kind of happenstance for Treasure Island. Like, would they have ever, would they have ever even made a live action film, just live action if they didn't have a million dollars in another country? That, that is a great question. Um, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say yes, like eventually he would have pushed into this, right? Disney was always just this ever curious, wanted to try something different, uh, got bored with the old ways. Um, so yeah, like I can, I could guess that we would eventually get there, but maybe not soon enough and maybe not this version. So you mentioned you alluded to a little bit, but where, if people want to live out their best pirate life, what's the, where is this a part of, at the parks? Is there, I know we've talked about parts of the Caribbean, but where could, where is Treasure Island, if at all, a part of the parks uh, today? I couldn't find any like specific Treasure Island tie-in not even the the pirate boat the pirate ship boat in disneyland no that is the um the columbia that is based off of the mayflower interesting yeah even though they use it in phantasmic for kind of like the pirate ship in the the pirate sequence um but like i think the the obvious one is like this definitely had an influence on pirates of the caribbean um (laughs) And all of the subsequent just kind of Disney pirate culture, Um, I think, you know, especially in these past 20 years uh, since we've gotten uh, the first Pirates movie, we just see the pirate stuff all over the parks. Um, But to the best of my knowledge, there's no like major specific reference to Treasure Island there. There's probably like a few Easter eggs, a few things here and there. Um, but for the most part, no, it doesn't have any uh, strong representation. Man, another one, just random, random movies. Disney tends to favor their kind of, when it's their live action stuff, they tend to favor when it's like their own thing. I think you you hit the nail on the head. Like Treasure Island is one of these public domain things that is just like used a ton. Like there are a ton of Treasure Island versions so I think they lean in more on just kind of the broad general piratey stuff and not particularly, you know, Treasure Island. Speaking of public domain, this is I'm going to do a little rabbit trail, but I'm going to come right back. Um, when you were mentioning this made me thought of that. Now, as of today, we are recording this on the 1st of January. Um, Steamboat Willie is in the public domain. Yep. And I, uh, of course, uh, I'm sure many of you have heard about this. Because like lots of news channels are doing a, a quick little bit on it or there's reels uh, about it because it's, you know, it's great clickbait. But I heard a copyright lawyer say something really interesting that I thought was is is cool. He said it is now time for the next generation to do to Disney's work what Disney did to the previous generation's work. Which is? And what he was saying was, if you look at uh, many of these early stories, 
They're public domain stories. They're ones that Disney had heard, like Treasure Island, that had then moved into the public domain. And Disney decided to take a public domain story and do his version of it, right? Uh, And so what this copyright lawyer said was like, Disney built his empire on using public domain uh, uh, information or or stories, public domain stories. Now it's time for the next Walt Disney to use Walt Disney stories to make his, you know, storytelling empire. And I'm like, quite poetic, like way to go. I mean, you know, I, that's very lawyer, but still, uh, <laughs> I thought that was a, a poetic yeah, way they to can't look get, at it. Yeah, they can't and get apropos bad. here with Treasure. No, because this is how they, I mean, most of their stories come from these these public that domain funny, yeah. um, stories. The thing is, though, yeah. is when he was doing this, the public domain was what, like 25 years, 30 years? 75? Like, well, no, I mean, 75 was later on. Like, they got that date moved a couple times. So when he would have been... This is true. When he was making them in the early 20s, 30s, like 30s, 40s, like he would have been making things that hadn't been gone that long, like too long, 30 yeah. years, 40, 50, like 50 years or less, I believe, especially if we're talking about late 1800s, some of the, some of the stuff that they were pulling from, it wasn't until he started, they started lobbying to get it, that they moved it to 75, then moved it to 95. So yeah, I, I think I like that. I like that take. I like that, that, uh, law take. I thought you would, uh, you would appreciate that, but. Any final, well, any final, is it that time? yeah, are we, are we ready to give it our rating, whether it's, and for those of you following at home, we rate all of the films that we review on here with a one through five, five being essential, like a must see, must keep with you at all times in your heart. Uh, classic number four, this is just a classic Disney film, three entertaining, it's kind of fun, uh, two interesting, whether good or bad. Uh, and then one is back in the vault. So, Eddie, what are you going to classify this film? This is this is a hard one because it's yeah. I got a divorce in my head. Separate <laughs> the story, the overall love of the story in the book and the and the film. Um, I think I'm going to shoot it straight down the middle. I'm just going to say a three entertaining. There's there's a part of me that wants to say it's classic. Um, but I, I think there's enough moments in there. I'm just like, no, three entertaining. Yeah. If we could, if Long John Silver, the Long John Silver we get here was plucked out of this film, it would be an immediate back in the vault for me. But yeah. And because we've kind of taken out the half point that we did in our previous rating system and it's just one, two, three, four, five, I'm going to give it a two interesting. And near the back half, it starts picking up a little bit. Uh, and we get Trelawney. So Trelawney and the 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 relationship between John, uh, Jim Hawkins and John and and the fact that it's so iconic, like it did, set off so many tropes and stuff that even Disney's version of it did. Uh, I'm gonna leave it at a two. Interesting. We're gonna keep it there. Yeah, it, it you do feel it. I, I just one last time want to circle circle back on these tropes that were started by this Disney version of it, right? Like. That, that there's a part of me that wants to bump this up purely based off of that, but that's not the, you know, the movie standing on its own. It's kind of what's, what's come since then. Um, but it is quite remarkable that the whole world 
thinks of a pirate voice based off of this one actor's yep. presentation in this movie. Um, that's that's kind of mind blowing when you stop and you think about it. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, so well, now that we are filled up on filled in, filled you guys up on all of Disney nostalgia, we're going to talk a little bit about some Disney news, mostly talking about 2024. We're as you're listening to this, it's a couple days into the new year. You, we've all got our um, resolutions going. We've all worked out at the gym this morning. I know Eddie, you have bright and early. Uh, we've all we've all done all of the things that we're supposed to be doing day one, maybe. Or maybe not. Who knows? Eddie's shaking his head profusely right now. Uh, so a couple of things we want to. I go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> so Tomorrow's the in day. my mind, that's. And you got to remember, I'm a procrastinator at heart. So procrastinators <laughs> unite tomorrow. Tomorrow. This is great. Tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to give you first off, we're going to give you all of the many Disney things you have to look forward to in 2024 which is less than we normally would we were just talking about that there's some holes yeah there's some holes in the schedule and there's nothing really that we've got a ways you got some time to wait for it um so these are mostly movies and then we've got a couple disney plus series at the end because it felt really low to not include them so first off you gotta in may may 2020 or may 24th we got kingdom of the planet of the apes which I'm excited about because all of these Planet of the Apes movies have been stellar. Been so good. June 14th, we get Inside Out 2, which shocked the world with that first trailer. I'm so excited. Uh, Deadpool. The Ooh. most watched um, trailer in, in um, I want to say, Disney history. Whoa. Did you know that? I didn't know this. Yeah. Inside Out 2, when that trailer dropped... Like its view counts and everything broke all the previous records. It would make sense. I was half of those views. So there you go. Uh, okay. Uh, July, we get Deadpool 3. Um, so those are all of the all of the summer movies. We only got about three of them. And you could t- one Marvel, one Pixar, <laughs> one Disney film. Like uh, we don't get a lot of them for this year. Uh, Is Deadpool going to come out under... Fox like the previous two or is it going to come out under Disney? I am not sure. You can look that up while I am going through more of the list. That would be that would be interesting because uh I'm assuming this is a Marvel Marvel film. First. I think this is going to be a Marvel Studios film, right? Am I am but I right? Marvel Studios films are distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. So maybe it is. So what I'm getting at I don't know if there's been any other R-rated Disney, Walt Disney distributed pictures. I'm getting technical. You go on with the list. I'll do a little dig in here. Well, here we go. There is a still untitled Alien movie film, uh, part of the Alien series um, franchise, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So it's still untitled, but that comes out August 16th. So that rounds out all of the summer movies. You get about four of them to choose from. and then uh, we jump all the way to December 20th, Mufasa, which is the two, it's, 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 they're making it just the same as they did the live, the live looking animated um, CGI uh, Lion King movie that they redid a few years ago. This is the prequel to that. So it's a little, 
hard to it's it's a it's not animated but it's cgi and it's full anyways so there's a giant hole you said this eddie before we jumped on no in november right around thanksgiving there is almost always a disney animated film coming out then and there's none always always like they even dropped ray and the last dragon during the pandemic on that on that time frame yeah it's it's kind of crazy yeah when you stop and you and you you think about it that there that there is none i i is this because of the strike but at the same time i think it is i think at the end of the day it's twofold i think it's about the strike I also think the strike gave studios a moment to take a deep breath and realize they're spending stupid amount of money on stuff <laughs> and not really reaping the benefits. Um, so I think, you know, and Iger has said it in several things of just like, yeah, we're probably oversaturating. Like we need to, to slow it down. And I think that since uh, animation, Walt Disney animation has had, two you know really stinkers in the the past two years i think they are thinking you know what it might be better to hold off and you know let's pump more effort into this frozen three and four that they've got coming along and you know and they're they're thinking those are sure bets that'll just rake in the cash for them yeah they don't even have anything like pixar has its next films like because we've got obviously we talked about inside out 2 elio which got punted a year but there isn't any like set in stone we are definitely sure that this is going to be the next animated disney film there's not there's nothing that i can find like there's talked about toy story 5 is in development frozen 3 is in development uh frozen 4 is in in development zootopia 2 but we're not yeah there's there's nothing there's nothing that like by this point we should already know what's coming and they've been so oh, forward yeah. title that. yeah but they this really is a giant question mark right now like what's going to come out of it are they re um re rethinking what they're doing like what's going on i don't know um but those are the movies that are coming out next year but then i also wanted to throw in there as well especially for all the star wars fans hold on before oh, we move oh. on from the movies I, d- I have an answer to my question. Deadpool 3 is being distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. And yes, this is the first R-rated film for both Marvel Studios and for Disney. This wow. is the first R-rated movie to have the Disney distributor uh, logo at the, f- uh, at the front. This isn't the first time Disney has done an R-rated movie. It's just typically when they do an R-rated movie, they push it out under like one of their other distributors, yeah. like Touchstone Pictures or, or whatever. Uh, but this will be the first time that we see the Disney name before an R-rated film. How are we going to live, Eddie? How are we going to go on with our, <laughs> with our lives? What is this world coming to? Uh, the last two things. I've not seen any of the Deadpool movies, to be honest with you, though. Uh, just to I, put that out there. I can't remember if I saw the second one. I did see the first one and maybe had to fast forward a few times where it was just like, eh, I'm good. I don't need this. Um, Too much. There, there's moments that it's funny, but it's definitely a lot. It's definitely a lot. But uh, to finish off 2024, what to, come, what's, what to be expecting for this year, um, just wanted to throw out there because there are two... Um, in there's no d- release dates on these yet, but they have they're previously be supposed to be in 2023. Is the two Disney series 
the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew. Both have been in production. Both have been, they've been working on, on them. I think both had 2023 original uh, release dates, but those are now punted. Um, I don't know when they're coming out. We have no idea, but those are two that were in production. And also Andor Season 2. Like, when are we going to get that next part of the Andor series? I think that's also a question as well. Will that be this year or did the all the the strikes kind of push everything out, out, out crazy and they're just reticent to put out a ton of content. We, we might see more Star Wars content this year than Marvel content this year. That'd be crazy. I, I think this is the year though for us to see the f- effects of the strike. You know, there's just going to be a lot that doesn't happen that usually does because Hollywood was shut down for half the year. Is that one of your expectations for Disney in 2024, Eddie? Or then the last little segment we have here, expectations. I think one of my, I think one of my expectations is I mentioned it earlier. I think all the studios are going to walk. Um, you know, they're I I don't think they're typical recipes for um, hitting it up big in the box office are working. And so I think all of them are kind of reassessing, looking at all of that. I mean, even, um, uh, you know, what's happened over here with the Christmas season, like some of the, you know, like Aquaman didn't do near the levels of the previous one. Um, you know, there, I, I think that's what we're going to see in 2024 is this recalibration. Um, I don't know if you heard the news, but like there's strong rumors that, Paramount and mm-hmm. Warner Brother Discovery are yeah. going to merge. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize Paramount apparently is like on the verge of bankruptcy, like they're barely you know surviving. So I mean, that's another big, that's a huge consolidation um, that is you know rumored to be in the in the talks for for 2024. And I think that's just going to have a, a huge. That's just one of many recalibrations that we're seeing across it all is is people figure out what do audiences want and how do they want it like yep. there, there's definitely you know barbenheimer showed us there's an appetite to go to the theater that that is still there people will show up in droves but there's certain things we do want and other things that we don't want um you know superhero film you used to say it was like a sure bet that that's what people want to want to see that on the big screen it's like Actually, no, that's not what you know want to see. It's it's more of the the visual, the cinematography. That's I think why Barbie and, and Oppenheimer were such a big draw. Um so yeah, I think this will be the year of of that all kind of sorting itself out. From Disney specifically, I think this will be the year that they figure out that what they're gonna offer with streaming, right? We're gonna see the full integration of Hulu, which I think will make Disney Plus the streaming app i think eventually that'll that'll it's just merge all now. together somehow we, we've got we've already got oh, really? hulu, hulu signs are all over our disney plus now it makes it it makes it just a, an easier one-stop shop like there's a lot of of great content there um i think also 2024 is where we're going to see what they're going to do with espn and in particularly espn plus or their streaming version of it um, and I think what Disney does with that will kind of set the tone of this is what streaming is going to be. 
you know, from uh, the live sports. We've said it a million times. That's the key component that streaming hasn't ever figured out. If Disney can figure it out, which they say in 24 is when they're going to release what they're doing with, with ESPN, you know, that could be the, 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 the piece that solves this puzzle. So you had a list of expectations you had for Disney in 2024. Um, did you want to kind of go through some of the ones that you had? Yeah, the other big one is, I mean, this is a lot of, you know, insider baseball here. But in March is when um, they have their big shareholder meeting. And we're still in the middle of a huge proxy fight um, with the um, the the guys that are trying to get onto the board. Um, that I think Disney's going to have to swallow that one. There's not too much they can do um, to to fight that one off. Um, so my expectation there is, is that you see those two guys get on there. Um, and I mean, not without any details, I would say that that's probably going to be a positive overall for fans because it's going to cause Disney to get out of this rut that they are obviously in. Uh, anytime you've got a big change or shake up like that, um, especially um, blanking on his name, but the one guy that is coming in that's got over 40 years of experience there, but more in kind of the classic version and has been out during these past 10 years. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that might be a good little shakeup. So we'll see what happens. That's uh, sometime in March. It's not been set yet. We could see a pretty big uh, board shakeup and that would have reverberations throughout the whole company. The last expectation for 2024 is in August, we get the D23 Expo. Um, and this is typically when Disney announces a lot of their big stuff, right? There's a, a Marvel panel, a Pixar panel, um, you know, every major studio that is under Disney kind of presents what are they working on for the next two to five years or whatever. Uh, Disney Parks also shows up in a big way here and kind of announces plans for the future and everything. Um, the last two D23s have been very and the one even before that, pretty much everything that was announced got canceled from a Disney Park standpoint. Um, yep. So like a lot of the Disney Parks fan base is all just kind of looking at this one going, this is your last chance. If, if you don't uh, show us something that you're actually going to do. Um, we're, we're going to start losing a lot of faith in, in where everything's going. So, um, I've heard a lot of, of people just kind of waiting and seeing what is this D23 going to look like? I think that's also when we're going to hear a lot of kind of our questions on Disney animation. Like, what are they really working on? I, you know, this is kind of where they tip their hand a little bit to the diehard fans and, and you'll see, uh, see different things, uh, boil out on that one. So that's sometime, I think mid August. Uh, that is the D23 Expo. So that's the last big expectation that I have from Disney here in 2024. I feel like 2024 is going to be like a in-between year because last year was the big upheaval. Last year we had the bit, the, the uh, Iger coming in, starting to try to do things and nothing really was working. It was a down year. Um, for movies with none of them hitting a billion dollars in revenue. Um, and I don't sense that they even know what the answer to any of that is. And I think this year they will probably try to, like you said, maybe at D23 or other times or other shareholder meetings, 
try to, by the end of the year, have some sort of like vision. This is where we're going. This is how we're going to solve the problems we've been having. And they've already come out even a little bit and said, we need to get back to good storytelling. But there's nothing that they can like actually produce this year that would show that they've made a difference in that because, well, one, we had the writer strike, but also um, movies take time. They take time. Yeah. So everything that even came out during the Chapek short, short-lived era was stuff that Iger had greenlit before that. So I don't expect there to be any like, wow, they really had this amazing film that came out and it totally changed everything as has high high hopes as i have for inside out too um they would need a string of big wins for that to happen and i just don't see that in mufasa or any any of their other films that like will change the trajectory of where they're going so i think 2024 i don't i have do not have high hopes for something happening this year with any sort of teeth or, or grit to it. it there might be some come to Jesus moment where they try to make something like that happen, but it's going to still, we're still several years away from them actually getting this giant boat turned around. So that's my expectation. I would agree. I would agree. 2024 is going to be a lot of internal shaking and turning and different things happening that we won't see out yeah. on the surface. Even an ESPN uh, straight to consumer director, consumer product would still be years away they might tell us what they're doing, but I don't like they'd have to actually have a product for us to use and see. Um, I don't think I don't think uh, that's- that one. That one. I don't know. They, they've they've said in public that they're by the, the end of 2024, they hope to have a product launch. Hope that they have they have the the mechanism. They just don't know how to make the content work. And we saw kind of hints at this with the um apple vision pro right that they they've got ideas they've got direction they want to go with it but whether or not they can execute it and afford the rights to execute it uh is another big question so but yeah i mean at at the end of the day like so many things could happen i think you are right in that this is the year that everything shakes and shifts and 2025 we'll see what comes out on the other end we'll see yeah i'm not sure any of these films they can make that big yeah yeah i mean look back at the films what are the ones that are gonna actually make them some money inside out is your best will make them some money yes and and i think they'll make a decent amount of money off of deadpool maybe off of planet of the apes as well nothing nothing what they're they're used to though um i think you're right inside out two deadpool three maybe um our r-rated films have a harder time getting up uh, high numbers but um yeah that's not that's not a stellar track record for that so i think that's what we're we're saying we will see we will wait and see so before we go jb i hope you and the family have a wonderful week as you guys get back into the rhythm of things like everybody else yep we finished off our christmas slash new year break with a little bit of a bang, uh, I had this idea for a video because I'm a video editor and I was thinking of doing a uh, tutorial video for other aspi- other aspiring editors and I needed some something like eye-catching 
for the for the beginning part of our of the video and i was like it'd be funny to like drop something or break something or have it shatter in slow motion but i didn't want to use other things that were already out there i was like i could film something i could do this myself and so i went to i went to my local um dollar tree just wandering around and looking in for glass vases or whatever. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I mean, maybe I could drop a, a dumbbell or something on top, on top of something like that. Well, what if I, what if I like filled it with water or something else? It's like, what, we need something in it. Like we need to figure something. And in there, in their, in their, uh, back in the kids section was a little SpongeBob character. Um, and I was like, this is perfect. This is great. So I thought my kids were going to love it. And so I took it home and I showed them it and they were like, oh, SpongeBob, SpongeBob, SpongeBob. And they like, put them in the vase and we even got food coloring to make it like blue and stuff. And they're like, this is awesome. This is so good. Can we play with them? I'm like, okay, guys, guess what we're going to do? We're going to drop a giant weight on it. And they were like, but that'll, will that hurt SpongeBob? So I set the whole thing up. I was like, come out and watch it, watch it. And I drop it and it shatters everywhere i sent you the video of it my son was so traumatized by it that he ran inside and hid in his room because he was like wait and and then he came back out and he he couldn't get closer because there were still pieces of glass everywhere that was a whole other thing i had to like clean up all this all this glass everywhere in the in the because i did it in the driveway and i found it and it had been shattered into like two big pieces right on his mouth where his mouth is wide open and it broken in half and he they were so upset that they never really got to play with him beforehand even though i Ooh. bought it to be shattered to be dropped on not i didn't take one of their toys but that's a lose-lose situation that you put yeah, yourself in because if you if you would have let them play with it and then destroy it i mean that's just as bad right like yeah they would have been and then you didn't let them play with it so yeah there's just no way. Yeah, no way, bad no parenting That's today. That's fatherhood for you. That's fatherhood, but it was definitely some bad parenting today. And now I'm probably going to have to go to Dollar Tree and get another and get one another. just for them. Although I do have an extra At vase. least it's only a dollar. It is. That's that's why you I did sent, it. You sent me the video of it and it was the most random thing. Because I'm like, wait, what? What is this? What's going on? I just see this giant weight crush SpongeBob in a vase <laughs> or in a fish. It was bowl. a lot for a very but. short video, but we'll see. With that, you've got your weekly dose of Disney nostalgia. Be sure to subscribe to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast wherever you listen to your other favorite podcast. Hey, and give us a look on YouTube as well. Yep, we're posting all the full videos over there. And while you're there, please like or leave a five-star review and share it with your best friend. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com where you can see all of our nostalgic reviews of your favorite Disney movies. Including next week when you can tune in to hear our review of Alice in Wonderland. Thank you for listening and remember, the sea be mostly hard work and the bigger satisfaction a man gets is doing his duty. 